Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 117. Reading through the gospel narratives, you'll notice time and time again that a biblical 24-hour day is comprised of five different day parts. Five of them. But then there is yet a sixth special day part that was very unique to the theme of the Feast of Passover. Shalom, I'm Avi ben Mordechai. Welcome to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 117 and part 4, an analysis of Yeshua's last Passover week timeline of events leading to crucifixion and third-day resurrection. Now, many are not aware of the numerous time-and-date calendar issues that were predominant in the days of Yeshua. At the time of Yeshua's ministry, there were at least three different calendars that were simultaneously functional. One was the Roman secular calendar, and two were Jewish religious calendars. Consequently, when reading through the narratives of Yeshua's last Passover week, it is easy to miss what's going on behind the scenes because of the workings of those calendars within the context of Second Temple Jewish religious culture and law. To follow along with this study, I do suggest that you access the two religious calendars that I built for this program series. I labeled them Exhibit A and Exhibit B. Both calendars can be found on my website, and you can access them online. The address where to find the two calendars is www.cominghome.co.il. On my website homepage, you can also go to Free Resources on the navigation menu then click on the drop-down list and click on Podcast Extras. The two calendars, Exhibit A and Exhibit B, are there, and they're based on the Roman Julian calendar in what we would today call Year 27 of the Common Era, which is uh, abbreviated as C period, E period. In an upcoming episode, I am going to speak about this in more detail and why I chose that particular year as the representative year for all of the events that involve the ministry of Yeshua during his last week. On my podcast episode number 116 and part 3 in this series, I presented a general structure of how days and nights were governed by the secular Romans the religious Judeans, and the priestly classes among those in the communities of the Qumran and the regions of the Dead Sea. Now, if you wish, you can go back to Part 3 for a refresher from this program series. In the meantime, however, I am going to continue now with more details about the Roman, Judean, and Qumran Second Temple calendars how they were understood, and how they affected the events timeline from Yeshua's last Passover week. So now, let's please continue with part four in this series. 
I am now going to be talking about daylight hours and nighttime watches according to the gospel narratives. When reading through the gospel narratives, I think it is important to pay attention to what we are told about the reckoning of the day and the night hours to determine whether the given interval was either according to religious Jewish tradition or secular Roman counting. And once again, I suggest that you go to my website at cominghome.co.il and click on the available free resources on the homepage menu. Then on that drop-down menu, click on Podcast Extras and follow along with me using the data that I've posted there to help you track with my explanations here. To begin with, let's start with Mark 6.48. Mark 6.48. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. The reference to the fourth watch of the night appears to be written according to Roman reckoning rather than Jewish reckoning. Now, I'm saying this because during the Second Temple period, Judea was very much influenced by the culture of its Greek Hellenism, and of course, Judea was under the Roman system of authority. So, it seems fair enough to suggest that if Mark had wanted to express the timeline from a Judean perspective, he would have written his account saying about the third watch of the night, meaning 0200 hours to 0600 hours. But you see, because Mark wrote his account saying the fourth watch of the night, this appears to me to look like Roman reckoning, which takes into account the hours between 0300 and 0600 hours, based on Roman historical records, such as that which is written about from Flavius Vegetius Renatus in his Epitome Re Militaris 3.8.17. He wrote and said, Four foot soldiers of each century and four cavalrymen of each troop are on guard every night, as it seemed impossible for a sentinel to remain a whole night on his post. The watches were divided by the clepsydra into four parts, that each man may be on duty for not more than three hours. All guards are mounted by the sound of trumpet and relieved by the sound of the coronet. Now, here is another example to assess for our understanding. Let's go to Mark 13, 35 through 37. Yeshua said, Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest, coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Again, this statement 
from Mark looks to me very Jewish and also very Roman in its reckoning. Mark seems to be speaking about four different parts of the night, which we know in Judaism to be evening, midnight, and morning. But there is an additional day part that we're going to be talking about, and that's the crowing of the rooster. So first, let's take a look at this statement from Mark, because it does very much look like it's kind of a hybrid between Jewish and Roman reckoning. Let's go to the definition of evening. As Yeshua said, in the evening, midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. So let's go to the concept of evening. Now this is referring to the timeline that follows just after sunset. So according to religious Judean time, 1800 to 2200 hours, or if you prefer, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the evening. We can see one of many examples of this in Exodus 16.13. So it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. Now, according to secular Roman time, this evening would be defined as 1800 hours to 2100 hours, or if you wish, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock, as compared to 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock in religious Judean time. Let's now go to the concept of midnight. Now, midnight is referring to a time frame that is called the mid of the night. So, according to religious Judean time, 2200 hours to 0200 hours, or if you will, about 10 o'clock until 2 o'clock, going through those nighttime hours, this refers to the second or middle of three nighttime watches. And we can see one of many examples of this in Judges chapter 7, verse 19. So Gidon, or Gideon, and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands, because they were copying what Gidon was telling them to do. Now, according to secular Roman time, 2100 hours to 0100 hours, or 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock, that is defined as midnight. Whereas in the Jewish time frame, midnight is more like the mid of the night, meaning that second or middle watch between about 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock under the cover of darkness. Let's now go on to the third definition that Yeshua was referring to, and that is the crowing of the rooster. Now, this is an interesting one. According to religious Judean time, the crowing of the rooster takes place at about 0430 to 0600 hours. In Hebrew, this time frame was called Kriat Hagever. 
Again, Kriyat HaGever. It simply can be translated as the call of the Gever or the call of the rooster. Now, from handed down Jewish oral tradition and custom, this concept of the call of the rooster time frame was defined according to the arrival of the first rays of the early morning light, or the break of day. That is a boundary line separating between the coming of the end of night and the coming arrival of a new day. So that's a Jewish timeline, 0430 to about 0600 hours. That's called again the crowing of the rooster or Kriyat Hagever. According to secular Roman time, they too had a concept called the crowing of the rooster or cock crow, and that time was from 0300 hours to 0600 hours. According to Roman historical accounts, the start of the Roman Fourth Watch began at 0300 hours with the blast of a trumpet. It was called Galicinium, or the time of the cock crow. Now, in his work, Natural History, Roman historian Pliny the Elder said cocks or roosters go to bed with the sun. And at the fourth camp watch, recall us to our business and our labor, and do not allow the sunrise to creep upon us unawares, but heralds the coming day with song. Now, I'm going to be bringing up more detail about this particular Jewish and Roman time frame in a later upcoming episode when I come to speak about the event of Peter's denials of Yeshua. So please stay tuned. Let's now talk about the concept of mourning. As Yeshua said, how do we define the term mourning? You see, in Hebrew, the time frame that follows sunrise is always called bokir, and it means the light of the new day, or, if you wish, the next day. And we can see an example of this in many places of Hebrew scripture. For example, you can see it in Numbers or Bamidbar, Numbers chapter 11, verse 32. And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. Now, I'll come back and talk about this in just a moment, okay? Now, let's move on to the definition of mourning based on secular Roman time. Mourning in secular Roman time begins with zero hundred hours, or what we might call 12 midnight. And in fact, even today, many Western cultures follow this same time frame of Roman reckoning. For example, one might say, well, I get up to start my days at three o'clock in the morning. Or perhaps another will say, I start work at 9 o'clock at night and I finish at 5 o'clock in the morning. However, the natural Roman day started at the sixth hour with sunrise. And you can see a reference to this when Yeshua appeared before Roman governor Pontius Pilatus at the sixth hour. 
And I'm going to be addressing this in more detail later when I come to speak about that event during Yeshua's last Passover week. So you can see here again the idea of mourning from a religious Judean viewpoint that is always with the six o'clock morning sunrise, whereas mourning is defined according to the secular Roman calendar as basically 12 midnight, even though six o'clock in the morning is called the first hour of the day. But that's just because of sunrise. Permit me now to give you one more example of day hours and night watches from the gospel records, which is what I'm focusing on right now. Yeshua was presenting a parable about watching and waiting for his return. So with this parable, he said in Luke 12, 38, And if he, referring to Messiah, should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now, this appears to be a Judean or Jewish reckoning of time because Yeshua spoke about an all-night second or third watch when he said that. So, biblically, this would mean either 2,200 hours to 0,200 hours, that is, 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock under the cover of darkness, or 0,200 hours to 0,600 hours, which would be 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock under the cover of darkness. However, some do claim that Luke was writing about the second or third watch of the four three-hour Roman nighttime watches. Okay, look, I admit that interpretation could go in two different ways, and therefore it is difficult to know. Personally, I'm of the opinion that the statement is about Jewish time reckoning, and I'll tell you why. Because whenever Luke is writing his narratives, he is often expressing time from a cultural Jewish perspective. Let me give you an example. Go to Luke 22, verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. Early in biblical history, unleavened bread and Passover were their own distinct festivals. Much later on in Jewish antiquity, the two biblical events came to be merged into one all-encompassing festival, and Luke speaks of the events as merged, which is a very Jewish idea. Another example is from Luke 18, 12 through 13. Yeshua's story is about a Pharisee and a tax collector. So the tax collector is standing afar off and he's praying, Be merciful to me, a sinner! But the Pharisee is praying, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. His statement, I fast twice a week. That is a reference to the Judeans, who fasted on Mondays and Thursdays, twice a week, meaning that fasting and praying was a religious 
practice that occurred always twice a week on the same days that the judges of the Jewish legal system tried courtroom cases. So, it's a very Jewish way to say something. So, Luke is presenting something in a very Jewish way or couched in a very Jewish context. And these are just two of many, many examples that I could give you. What I'm getting at is Luke's clear tendency to record events according to Jewish culture and reckoning. And Yeshua's many lessons are also fitting in with the context of biblical Jewish thought, at least in the mind of Luke. And so I am assuming the reference to a second or third watch, as Luke is using the terminology, is more of a biblical Hebraism rather than something coming from Roman calendrical time. Let's now move on to another subsection involving sunset to sunset reckoning by the official Second Temple Period calendar. During the Second Temple Period, there was a very early tradition that originated with the men of the Great Synagogue, or if you prefer, with the men of the Great Assembly. And if you want to check that, you can look at Mishnah Avot 1-1. At that time in Jewish history, about 100 to 400 BCE, or before the Common Era, the beginning and the end of the Sabbath was officially solemnized by waiting for three medium-sized stars to appear in the night sky. Now, this is referred to as sunset to sunset reckoning to officially mark the separation between the Sabbath and the six working days. It was taught in Jewish legal law according to Mishnah Torah, Shabbat or Sabbath 29, section 1. One should remember it, referring to the Sabbath, at its beginning and its conclusion by reciting the Kiddush when the Sabbath begins and the Havdalah when it ends. Stringencies were in place at that time in order to avoid any uncertainties as to whether the evening was part of the preceding day or of the following night. It was taught that one who inadvertently does forbidden work on the eve and the conclusion of the Sabbath, that one was liable to a sin offering. Oh yeah, with the coming end of the Sabbath and the beginning of the next six working days, there was a separation that existed between the two. And that little separation boundary was called Havdalah, from the Hebrew root Beit Dalad Lamed. And you can find that in Genesis 1, verse 4. And Elohim saw the light as good. And Elohim divided the light from the darkness. The word divided comes from the Hebrew word Yavdel. And so, this sunset to sunset reckoning during the time of Yeshua, it became the officially recognized calendar of the period. And basically, everyone followed it in national Israel at the time. 
And we know that it's pretty much still the same today. Now, I'm going to take a quick break, and then when I come back, I'd like to move on and talk about the Sunrise to Sunrise Reckoning, which was considered the unofficial Second Temple Period calendar. And once again, I suggest that you go to my website at cominghome.co.il and click on the available free resources on the homepage menu. Then on that drop-down menu, click on Podcast Extras and follow along with me using the data that I've posted there to help you track with my explanations here. Stay with me and I'll be right back. This is Avi ben Mordechai. And you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. Welcome back to the second half of Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 117. Here is your host, Avi ben Mordechai. Welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi ben Mordechai. And we're taking a look at some Second Temple period time and date reckoning and Second Temple period time and date structures to help us to better understand exactly what was going on in that last week of Yeshua during his Passover week, just before his crucifixion and his third day resurrection. So now let's continue on with where I left off before the break. I now want to talk about a sunrise to sunrise reckoning in the days of Yeshua by the unofficial Second Temple period calendar. Unlike the Judean Pharisees, many groups and communities among the sectarians of ancient Israel, including the Qumran communities in the regions of the Dead Sea, as well as many among the Galileans in the north of Israel, they all adopted a more ancient and biblical view of figuring and calculating time, that of the more biblical sunrise-to-sunrise reckoning. You see, in biblical days, nighttime was always understood as a different day when compared to the arrival of the morning sunrise. In Hebrew, the term is boker, beit kuf resh, boker. It refers to sunrise and always signified the next new day, or if you prefer, the next following new day. Therefore, in the biblical narratives, the term tomorrow, as we use that term, is expressed from the Hebrew word mimacharat. And I have a whole lot of generous examples that I could show you from the biblical terminology in Hebrew. But so as to not get too bogged down with all of this detail, I'll just stick with three examples so that you can follow along with me. Again, the Hebrew word that I'm looking at is mimacharat. Let's go to 1 Samuel 19, verse 11. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. The Hebrew term there, in the morning, is babokir. 
And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. The term tomorrow in Hebrew is machar. Mem chet resh, machar. So, here we have the concept of a nighttime, a morning time, and the statement, if you don't save your life tonight, under the cover of darkness, then tomorrow, machar, that is when the sun comes up, you will be killed. So, tomorrow is a new day, beginning with sunrise. Let's go now to 1 Samuel 5, verses 3 through 4. And they, the Ashdod people, from the next morning, and I'm putting here in their shoulder from the next morning, because I'm reading it in the Hebrew as Vayashkim Ashdodim Mimacharat. It says that they noticed something, and they used a Hebrew term which we could translate into English as, wow, something like that. So it's like, wow, he, Dagon, or Dagon, had fallen on his face to the earth in front of the Ark of Jehovah. So they took Dagon, and they set him in his place again. And they, at the morning sunrise, here the Hebrew term is boker, sunrise, from the next day, there was Dagon. So in other words, sunrise is the boundary point in this passage that refers to the next day, mimacharat. And it's at that time that they noticed again, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the Ark of Jehovah. So here we have distinctions between the next morning, or literally they're saying at the shoulder of the next morning, meaning it's a time that's bordering that boker or that morning sunrise. Let's go to a third example. This is coming from Judges 6, 37 through 38. And this is about Gidon or Gideon. Gideon says, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. We all know about this story because I hear people using this in parable metaphors all the time. You know, I'm going to put a fleece out and see what happens to know if the Almighty Eternal One, blessed be He, is guiding me in such and such a direction. Okay, that's no problem to do that. So this idea of a fleece is something that was on the mind of Gidon. And he says, if there is a dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And then the text says, and so it was thus from early the following morning. And the Hebrew term there is Vayashkem mimacharat. In other words, as coming from the next or following morning, when the sun came up. That's how we knew what was going on. So here, again, we have a distinction or a separation boundary between nighttime hours, which is the night before, and sunrise, which is the next day or the following day. 
So you can see this is all biblical terminology. And in the ancient biblical times of Israel, it was very clear that sunrise marked a new day, and anything before that was the day before that sunrise. So now that leads us to the question, how did all of Yeshua's ministry events fit in with these Hebrew-Israelite biblical ideas? Reading through the gospel narratives, you'll notice time and time again that a biblical 24-hour day is comprised of five different day parts. Five of them. But then there is yet a sixth special day part that was very unique to the theme of the Feast of Passover. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. First, here are all the day parts that you will see in the Hebrew, which are not always translated consistently, which I think is kind of unfortunate. I think they should be using the same exact terminology because then it helps us to think in those lines. Nonetheless, let's take a look at these five different day parts. The first day part is called morning. It's referred to from the Hebrew term boker, and it refers to sunrise from 0600 hours or 6 o'clock until about 12 noon. The second day part, I am referring to it as evening number one or early Erev. And this is from about 12 noon or afternoon until 1800 hours or six o'clock. Then the third day part, I'm referring to it as evening number two or the late Erev. That is a time frame that takes in 1800 hours or six o'clock sunset to about 1900 hours or seven o'clock with the arrival of three mid-sized stars in the nighttime sky. Then the fourth day part in the ancient Jewish or Hebraic calendar is that of night. And in Hebrew, this is called Lila. And it takes in about 1900 hours or seven o'clock and those three mid-sized stars, and it goes all the way through the dark hours until about 5 o'clock, or 0,500 hours. Now, at that hour, we have a term for it in modern English. We simply call it dawn, or perhaps the first light of day, or the break of day, just before the sunrise. So that's called Lila. And then there is a fifth day part that is referred to as the shoulder of the morning. That would be the Hebrew term shachar. Essentially, it's a sunrise boundary, shachar. And that's that early morning dawn or that early morning break of light. Okay. And it starts about 0430 to about 0500 hours. And so these are the five different day parts of one day in biblical Hebrew, as Yeshua would have understood it. So again, the Hebrew terms are bokir or morning, early Erev or evening one, late Erev or evening two, Lila, which is night, and Shachar, which is that early boundary 
just before the next sunrise. Now, in between the two evenings, it's a special day part unique to the theme of Passover. To speak it in Hebrew, we would simply say Ben Ha'arbaim. It is a six-hour day part midway between evening one and evening two. Ben Ha'arbaim can be translated as in between the evenings or in between the mixtures because the term Erev in Hebrew does in fact refer to a mixture. So in the case of a day, the mixture is light and dark. So in between the two evenings, evening one and evening two, there is this very special day part unique to Passover, referred to as Ben Ha'arbaim, that is, in between the evenings, and that is a reference to about 1,500 hours or 3 o'clock. As I explained earlier, this is what the law of Moses required. As it speaks about the slaughter of the Passover lamb, quote, in between the evenings, which means midway between 12 noon and 6 o'clock. Hence, it's about the time of the evening mincha offering at 3 o'clock, which is a concept that shows up in a lot of places in Hebrew scripture. Permit me to give you three examples. Daniel 9.21. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, or Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. That's the idea of the evening mincha offering at three o'clock. How about Numbers 28.4? The one lamb you will offer in the morning. That's about the nine o'clock hour. The other lamb you will offer in the evening. That's that three o'clock lamb in between the evenings. Now take a look at this from the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 3. This concerns Peter and Cornelius. At about the ninth hour of the day, he, referring to Cornelius, a Roman centurion, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of Elohim, or an angel of God, coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Notice it says about the ninth hour. Well, that's about 1,500 hours or three o'clock in the afternoon. So we have here this in-between-the-evenings idea. And it's a very biblical idea. So this is precisely why Yeshua breathed his last and he died at about the ninth hour, according to biblical Jewish time reckoning, or what we would call 1,500 hours or three o'clock, in order to fulfill the Torah's requirements from Exodus chapter 12, verse 6, that the Passover lamb must be slaughtered ben ha'arbaim, that is, in between the evenings. Now, among the various communities of Second Temple period Israel, those that adopted the sunrise to sunrise paradigm, as it was in ancient biblical days, those people rejected the innovative Pharisaic notion that a day was always sunset to sunset. 
They didn't buy it. It was those people of the Qumran and of the north of Israel and the Galilee and many people of the nation at the time. They were adopting the earlier tradition according to biblical Hebrew. They didn't buy this new Pharisaic ingenuity to turn the entire biblical story on its head and put out some newfangled approach to defining what a day is. They didn't buy it. And so I would say for us, well, why are we buying it if they didn't buy it? We can see in Jewish history that things definitely changed between the ancient biblical texts and how they did things then and what the Purushim, the Pharisees, and the Tzadukim, the Sadducees, what they were doing in their newfangled approach of counting sunset to sunset. So it's just not right. Or we could say it just ain't fitting, okay? We got to get back to the old ways, to the ancient paths, just as the prophet Yermagahu or Jeremiah said in chapter 6, verse 16, Thus says Jehovah, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old or ancient paths and where the good way is, and walk in him. In the old way, then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in him. Yeah, that's what it says. So I think we need to take our cue from scripture and get back to the old ways. Because those are the ways where we are going to find the truth of Messiah and all of the stuff that we're talking about here on the show. Okay? Now, let me address one more subheading in this lesson for today. Let's go to the counting of days. During the Second Temple period, when Pharisaic Judaism was growing dramatically popular, if an event happened just prior to sunset on any given day, then the event was attributed to the same day as to when the event commenced or began. So, even if there was very little time remaining just before sunset, still, the event was linked to that very day while the sun was still up, and it was not yet the next day. If, however, the event occurred in the evening, just after the physical sunset, then it had to be decided by the Pharisees and by that religious system of the time, if the event was to be credited to the next day according to the sequence of Jewish time reckoning. And I tell you, the same is true whether you're doing a sunset-to-sunset reckoning or a sunrise-to-sunrise reckoning. If an event takes place one hour before the 6 o'clock sunrise, then that event is going to be attributed to the day before that sunrise. And then at 6 o'clock, or when the sun came up, then that was a brand new day. And in any event that happened after sunrise, it was attributed to that new day. And uh, there are a number of places where we can see these kinds of ideas in the biblical narratives. One such place where we can learn about this paradigm is from Luke 13, 31 through 32. On that very day, some Pharisees came 
saying to Yeshua, Leave, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected or completed. Now look at Luke 13, 33. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the following. And then we have this in John 4, 43. Now after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. If we want to take this in its Hebraic structure, the term after the two days, that would be understood as two days behind me or behind us, meaning they are already completed. He then departed from there and went to Galilee. And he didn't travel at night. No, he traveled in the daytime after sunrise. So that's the third day. And unsurprisingly, all this explains Matthew 28, 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first of the week began to dawn, Miriam of Magdala and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Accordingly, this is based on a sunrise-to-sunrise paradigm, meaning the women arrived at the tomb around the fifth biblical day part, which is called Shachar in Hebrew, with the biblical Hebrew word Shachar referring to that early, early morning first light or dawn. For the women, it was towards the end of the regular weekly Sabbath, or what we would refer to as Saturday night, or by biblical Hebrew standards, they arrived at the shoulder of the next day sunrise. In other words, for the ladies, it was not yet Sunday morning when they came. Soon, I will be talking more about this. So we know Yeshua was guarding and keeping the sunrise-to-sunrise calendar, not the sunset-to-sunset calendar. He wasn't on that paradigm. So if he wasn't on it, why are we doing it? We should be asking ourselves that question. Now that's all I have for you today. And on next week's podcast, which is going to be episode number 118 and part 5 in this series, I'm going to pick up with the definition of the term hour in the time and ministry of Yeshua. Because you see, the term hour in the ministry of Yeshua, it had multiple meanings. And I mean physical, spiritual, yes, even prophetic. But as a literal time-keeping expression for the hours of a day in our natural world, one hour did not necessarily equal 60 minutes as we know it today. Of course, today we do have precise computer technology that tells us when we have experienced 60 minutes. However, in biblical days, one hour could mean as little as 40 minutes or as much as 75 minutes, all depending on the time and season of the year. And we're going to take a look at all of this next time when we come back. And we'll begin with a passage from John 11, 9 through 10. I hear this quoted a lot. Are there not 12 hours in the day, said Yeshua? So we'll talk about that, okay? We're also going to come back next week and talk about the Tzadok 7's solar calendar. 
I call it the sevens calendar. I call it sometimes the base seven solar calendar or the base seven calendar of the Qumran. I have a lot of different ways of expressing it. And this is an important calendar to understand because it's going to express that whole last week of Yeshua's events leading to his crucifixion and to his third day resurrection. Determining Yehovah's biblical festivals, often referred to in Hebrew as Moedim, or divine appointments. You see, this was a unique attribute of the Qumran communities and of the sectarian groups that were found among the regions of the Dead Sea. Those dwelling in that area of Judea referred to themselves as Yehovah's sons of light because they were among the priests of the house of Tzadok. So we're going to talk about this sevens calendar or this base seven solar calendar. I'm going to get deep into this one. So do stay with me and we'll come back and talk further about these ideas. In the meantime, I want to thank you so much for joining me and listening to me prattle on about all these things that I think are really important and very appropriate for our own times. And if you want any more information about what I'm doing and kind of what I'm looking at here, go to my website at www.cominghome.co.il. Do get access to some of the handouts that I've posted there on my website under the free resources and podcast extras and go study those in light of what you're listening to me speak about here today. I'm Avi Ben-Mordechai and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio.